0: Hello, and welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about times where the scriptures have become real to us because we believe there's a power in the scriptures that we can draw out when they're real to us, and we need that power in our lives today. I'm your host, Carrie Muelstein, and I'm very excited about my guest today. This is Janet Erickson, who is in my college at BYU in religious education. She teaches in church history and doctrine. And uh, there are all sorts of great things I could tell you about her and her her uh, work, I'll let her talk a little bit about that, but her work in family studies and so on. But I'll just tell you that I'm most impressed that uh, Janet is someone who really is consecrated and really just wants to uh, seek out the Lord's will and do the Lord's will in her life. And I'm I'm grateful to work with anyone who does that. And so uh, welcome, Janet.
1: So good to be here, Carrie. What a privilege. I've been so grateful for your work. Uh-huh, I am as you know, we started talking about this topic. I discovered your work on Hesed and covenants, and I was so struck by it. My background is in family science, and so I taught for the school of family life exclusively for some period of years, and now I'm in religious education where I get to teach the eternal family class, which we talk about the proclamation. My PhD is from the University of Minnesota, and so I have kind of a social science um, look at what our human experience teaches us about the proclamation and these divine truths, how are they revealed in a sense in our experience, but then how does our experience become shaped by the truths of God in ways that are beautiful. And so I've been so grateful. I have two children and they teach me so much. I marvel at at marriage has been wonderful. We didn't find each other until much later in life. It was a miracle. Um, We were both 34 and my husband comes from a, he is a convert to the church, joined the church as a student at the University of Texas, grew up up as an atheist. His parents divorced when he was six and he's an only child. And I come from, I'm the fifth of 11 long line of faithful membership in the church. And it's been wonderful to have our coming together, kind of a gathering of Israel in a sense in our own Uh home grateful for our children too. And, and just making that comment, they have taught me so much. It's been, it's been beautiful and breaking, um, in a sense. And I, that's been a really powerful gift. It's been painful, um, because anytime we are broken, our own will kind of our mindset yeah. is, is broken. There's pain attached to that because it's like the death of the old man. And it's, yeah. but I, I but it's made me think so much about God's love for us and what that's like and and relationships and growth. So I really appreciate deeply your insights on covenants. And we had wonderful conversations about that. And I'd love to dive in.
0: Yeah, thank you. So maybe just to give uh, our, our audience a little background, first of all, uh, in Come Follow Me, we're, we're hitting Deuteronomy, which is really a summary of the covenant. Deuteronomy is all about covenant. It's a retelling of the history of uh, Israel from the Exodus and so on, but it's really about covenant. And uh, Janet and I have uh, a couple of times had some conversations about covenants, and I thought, man, this is such good stuff. I learn whenever I'm with her. I think we should invite the audience in on this conversation. I think that they would enjoy it. So we don't know exactly what conversation we're going to have right now, but we know whenever we've talked, it's been fun. So we're hoping to have some fun with all of you today. So uh, I know you've had some questions, uh, Janet. Why don't we let you start with some of the things you'd like to talk about?
1: Yeah, Carrie. Okay, so my big question that's been just on my heart a lot is based on something you said, you wrote a quote, and I've been quoting it. And <laughs> your you comment was, <laughs> no, I think it's deeply profound. It was that when God established a covenant, what Abraham is learning is that God wants to be with his children. He wants to be with us. And that covenant is about enabling us more and more and more to be at one with him. Now, when I read that, when I read God wants to be with us, it was just striking to me that I had grown up thinking of covenants as the way we typically teach them, which is a contract. Mm-hmm. You say you're going to do this part and God says he's going to do this part. And I think when I think about what God's part is, he um, I think I thought of it like he'll redeem me and I'll be able to be with him forever. Now, we'll talk about why that was incomplete, even given the instruction of contract. But, but I think so much of my life, there was a focus on what I would do. So my list of things that I would do. And what happens is... It ends up being a proving, I think in my mind, it's a proving of myself mm. that I that I can ultimately be worthy of God's allowing me in, in a sense, his fulfillment of, right. of the con- contract. And something was very transformative for me in that thought of he wants more than anything to be with me, that heaven yeah. isn't so much a place as our oneness together. And so I loved, and I would love to hear you describe again, just what happens in the relationship with God, the possibility of that one as we become more holy. But the goal is oneness. It's not holiness to prove that I somehow am accepted. It's so he can actually be more with me.
0: Uh, That's so beautiful and so wonderful. And, And even as you say this, I'm having thoughts I haven't had before, right? When you when you think of a, a contract or a covenant, and, and we talk about it in those terms, and that's reasonable, but but it's easy to lose sight of what's really going on. So let's think of a, a an ideal covenant or contract where it, when it works well, it's because both parties really want the same thing to come out of this, and it benefits both of them, right? So we say, I want to get this done. You want to get that done. I'll do this. You do this. And we both get that done, and we're both happy with it. Well, that's what's happening here. But we have to remember it's God who initiated the contact. So, or contract. So what is it that God wants out of it? He wants to be one with us. He wants a closer relationship with his children. And I think any parent will say, yeah, that's what I want. I want a closer relationship with my children. God wants that more than we can understand. His capacity to love uh, and his understanding of what can happen so far exceeds us, we don't even get it. But he wants us to be one with him. And so he initiates this covenant with that purpose in mind. Well, the plan, right? He initiates the plan. It's the whole purpose of the plan. And the covenant is to make the plan work. And Christ is to make it possible for the covenant to be fulfilled. But the whole purpose of it is for us to have a closer relationship with him, to be one with him. And of course, that's what we want too. So we're happy to enter into the covenant. And if we both work at it together and both do our part, our part's the small part, his part's the big part. But if we both do it, then we get what we're both looking for. And I think that's such a a, a refreshing way to look at the gospel and to understand that the whole point of it is because God loves us. The point of everything yeah. in the plan, the gospel, everything else is because God loves us and he wants a closer relationship with us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just so powerful, Carrie. Um, I love how you talk about that his desire to be one with us means he wants us to grow and develop. Hmm. And and it's because his capacity to know us, for us to know him, right? That is, it grows. And so we can have a different kind of relationship as we become more like him. So again, the goal is to be together at one. And this process of development is driven by this desire to help us be able to have that kind of complete at one And you described, right, a parent with a child. I was with our son yesterday, and he loves, he's 10, and he loves to tell me stories. And he said, Mom, I hate it when you're not listening. <laughs> and I was thinking about how many times like I'll be checked out just a little bit in this listening because it's taking energy i adore him but it's taking energy for me in a sense to come down to appreciate what he yeah. is talking about right yeah. and i was thinking about how i love and adore him and i love his childhood and i also yearn for the day when i can grow enough and he can grow enough that we that we connect in a in in a divine level right in a maturity that is just transcendent right so yeah I love how you talk about that, Kerry.
0: Yeah, and and I've I've had that same experience. I can remember when my my first uh, child, he's, he's a son, when he was just uh, little, and they they're so excited to share things with you, and you know you're you're down there sharing that you get you know you have to get down to even look at him and talk to him, and, and you, you get down there and you're trying to be excited with them, and you're like this slug really isn't that exciting, right? But okay, <laughs> I'll I'll be excited with you. And I can remember thinking it'll be great when we can talk more about the same things. And I do, I, I fully remember when he was excited about the same things I was excited about and he was mature enough to,
1: um,
0: to have real conversations uh, about uh, emotions and things that meant something to him and so on. And we've recently gotten to a, even another level because he's a father now. And, uh, and he now understands things from a, a, a different point of view that he wasn't capable of before yeah. and that creates yet another bond between us and i can remember that when i became a parent and i can re- suddenly say oh mom and dad i didn't know this is what things were like for you i didn't know this is what you're going through right yeah. from little things like saying huh, i didn't know that family vacations weren't really a holiday for you i, I didn't know yeah. they were all work um yeah. Yeah. Uh, to bigger things like i didn't know that this is how you felt when someone was sick or this is how you felt when things went bad for them or good for them. And and so as as my son becomes closer and closer to the same stage I am in life, our bond is closer, and I have to think it's the same way with God and that that's part of what's going on here. He's bringing us to the point where we can experience the fullness of joy like he does, but that also experience allows us to experience a fullness of communion or union yes. like he would like and like we would
1: like. Yes. Oh, so, so Carrie, oh, that is just so beautiful. And as you're saying it, I was thinking about in our earlier conversation, how I asked two things I said that I'd been wrestling with. Like if God wants to be with me, all of a sudden I was realizing he wants to be with me now, yes, right now, today. He yes. wants to be with me and lift me and help me and know me and feel with me and but i but i think we spend so much time thinking about what i must do and and so we talked about how president here's president nelson's beautiful message and he says a year ago right take time with the lord hmm. last october i think and spend more time with the lord and how i could hear that as okay, I'm taking care of my family. I'm doing all these things. We're trying to do family history and we're trying to go to the temple and we're trying to do these things. And then here's this additional thing, which is take time with the Lord. And it, it can feel like, ah, another task, right? Like, okay, did I, did I do, am I completing these tasks that make me a worthy person? Like complete my image of myself as like having been a good person and a faithful member. And when I think about this turning upside down of that, he's not looking at me saying, did you do the list? He's literally saying to me, I want to be with you. I want to help you. I want to help you grow and you can grow in my love. And the the, the only way you can grow is with the absolute assurance of my love. Meaning that allows you to be honest with yourself and feel safe and, 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 and be vulnerable in the sense of a um, recognizing my weaknesses and my desire to grow out of them. But in the safety of that love, I can do that today and mm-hmm. not feel like, oh, there's an additional thing. And I continue to be unworthy, unworthy in the sense of completing the whole list. God really just wants to be with me because when he's with me, I can grow and, and experience that communion that allows for greater growth that allows me to become as he is.
0: Yeah, and, and it shifts the emphasis so wonderfully, doesn't it? I mean, it, it, it really, this takes us to that idea. And this is in Deuteronomy chapter six, the, the primary and first obligation under the law, which means our primary obligation under the covenant is to love God with all our heart, mind and strength. Right. Uh, and, uh, that's that, that's a similar thing this idea that if our focus is on I want to be I want to have communion with God, I want to be one with him I want to have him involved in my life and yes. therefore I'm just going to do everything that I can to invite that involvement yes that's that's like saying basically that that comes from loving him. those two things are so intertwined and think about it. Anyone that you are desperately in love with, you just yeah. want to spend time with them yeah. and you'll do whatever you can to have those moments and those opportunities where you can just really commune and, and have wonderful experiences and time together. And that's the yeah. same thing. That's, that's such a different emphasis than did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do yeah. this? Did you do this? Right. And you're, you, you can say more to this than I can, but in a, a, if you have a marriage where you're worried that if you didn't do this and this and this and this, that your spouse is going to be mad at you, yeah. that's not as pleasant a marriage as, yeah where you're excited to come home and, and, uh, or whether you were, you know, I say come home cause I think I'm out shopping or whatever, when you're excited to be with your spouse to just say, Hey, here's what happened today. And here's yeah. what I was able to do. And, and also the, this didn't happen well, but, and you just want to share with each other. That's a completely different yes. relationship. And that's the kind of relationship God wants to have with us. But so often it's not the relationship that we have in our mind. Yes. And so it's not happening that way.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so many thoughts, Carrie. I was thinking that when we talk about that, when we compare that relationship with God to a marriage, I think some of us can kind of pull back a little because we see mm-hmm. romance like in a separate place, right? And and yet, it he uses that, as you know from the Old Testament, is this way of of helping us understand how deeply he wants to be with us. Yes. How deeply his. Desire, as you describe, like would spend every moment, every moment we would allow, he would want to be with us, blessing us. That's how deep that desire is. That is a different kind of love than I think we typically characterize as God's love. Yeah. And, and it, and it involves like a, it's that parental love that you feel when you're holding that baby and you like, this person is the most beautiful person in the world. Like I just, they are so beautiful to me and i think recognizing as you described at the beginning like our understanding of love is so minuscule compared to god's but take that feeling that you have for that baby and magnify it and how much you would just want to look at them and and just enjoy them and know mm. them and that he has that kind of love for us is startling i think for us to even try to think about yeah and yet it's i i, I feel like the world's Darb is starving, members of the church are starving to know how deeply God truly loves him, loves each of us, that we are each his beloved, we are each his chosen. It's not exclusive, and he loves in a way that doesn't make one more important to him than another or somehow more valued than another, that in our uniqueness, we are so beloved, just like you feel for that new baby their rolls of fat, their eyes, they're right. And it's different from the next baby, but you just, and to think of that being magnified, how much he wants to bless, caress, be with, nourish, help, then that's so different. And I feel, I feel like I finally understand what it means to love him with all my heart and all my mind when I recognize all he loves about me all he wants to do for me all he like you can't help but just love him right and it begins with that because he first loved me who does that who could do that right and then you just love him with all your heart and it's not a list of things you're doing it's a genuine feeling
0: that the things you do become the natural extension of the feeling you have right Yes. So I have a couple of thoughts on that, and one one will take us maybe a slightly different direction. So let me share the other one first. That um, as as you say, like sometimes we pull back a little bit from okay, the romantic love uh, and that marriage uh, comparison. Mm-hmm. Although that is the comparison God uses most often when He wants to help us understand the covenant relationship we have with Him, mm-hmm. and so I think of my relationship with my wife, and certainly I have romantic feelings for my wife, um, but the primary feeling and maybe that was what the was the primary feeling initially i i, I honestly can't distinguish out in my mind now but yeah. but what i really my primary feeling is i just want to share my experiences with her. i just so you know i'll travel somewhere and i'll do this and i'll do that and if my wife's not with me it is it, the coolest things are just a little bit hollow and i always yeah. find myself wishing that i was sharing this with her all the yeah. time and yeah. and the things i'm thinking of how can I describe this to her? How can I tell her about this experience? And I'll take a picture so I can share it with her and whatever, right? They're, they're just not as meaningful when I'm not with her. Every wonderful experience I have, I just want to share with her. Yeah. And I think that's the kind of, of I mean, that's what deep yeah. marriages are really made of. And that's what God is is wanting. That's the feeling he has with us. He wants to share the the blessed, joyful state he has with us. Yes. Um. And so if we focus on that kind of a, a comparison, then I think that that works well for us. So before I go on to the other uh, element, I don't know if you had anything more you want to share. Yeah, that it's or... so
1: interesting, Carrie, as a single person, I think one of the biggest burdens you carry as a single person is loneliness. Mm, it's just yes. and and after you're married and you're having other struggles, right, of growth and development, like just that are inherent to life. They're real, and, and so you might look at a single person and be like, oh, life got even harder. There's just no way, though there's no way to, that that heavy burden of loneliness is not significant.
0: Boy, and yeah. the
1: feeling that you have is just what you described. I traveled a lot, I did all these wonderful experiences, and in the very moment, what you're thinking is, I want to share this with someone who cares deeply about me and for mm-hmm. whom I care deeply. There's and In, inherent to us, there's a yearning for communion. I think that's yes. what you're describing. Yes. It's a communion. And so I, when we were talking about this before, I remember asking, do, so why might we want to be with, and this is going to sound like a heretical question, but why, why would that be the goal for us to just be with God? Like mm-hmm. the ultimate goal. And, and I think I was thinking, because we can get all wrapped up in this checklist of things that I either want to become or that make life meaningful or, right, that are eternity. And, 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 you, and just that feeling of where is the deepest moments of our lives is in in communion. It's in communion. Yes. And when Lehi describes the love of God, when Nephi comes to know, that's what the tree means, and he describes it, and you have felt that. And you have felt what it means to be in communion with, with Christ, with our father. You like, there's nothing that compares it's worth everything. And to think that that's what eternity is and that he is, he is bringing about my development and growth so that I can have that at a fuller and deeper level is, is just everything. It's joy. So that anyway, I just appreciate so much and appreciating what it meant to be as a single person yearning for communion with another soul at that level. And that's what God assures us. That's what my covenant relationship with is with you. I am bringing that about, and as you're growing, it's coming more and more and more with those you love and with me, eternally.
0: And that's the beautiful promise of the covenant: is that whatever happens here, that kind of communion with God and with each other is going to happen there, mm. right in the, in the hereafter. It is mm. going to happen if we can get through, and uh, and there will be. Uh, whether we end up in a wonderful marriage or not, there will be moments of loneliness for everybody. Yes. But the promise is, and some of those greatest moments of loneliness are when you don't feel connected with God and everyone will experience that as well, no matter, even President Kimball talked about times where he would feel distant from God and then he'd go read the scriptures, right? But that happens to everyone. Yes. That's the beauty of the promise is that at some point that doesn't have to happen anymore.
1: Yes. That hunger will be fully and deeply, right, eternally fulfilled. But Terry, I think um, in this focusing on his love for us, I might lose sight of how earnestly my development is needed in order Mm -hmm. to have that level of communion. So when I'm talking to students about the proclamation, it seemed so clear to me that the Savior's whole work is to enable us to become the kind of people who can be in that level of relationship. Yes. So as a mother and a wife, I'm I'm actually being refined over and over again so I can love with greater purity. Yes. So that I can experience intimacy like at a deeper and deeper level. Yes. And there's lots of barriers to me being able to do that right now. Like I'm I'm I have to be refined in order to be able to be kind that become that kind of companion, that kind of mother. Yes. and and that, that can be a grueling process. So even as God loves us, like confronting the fact that I actually resist intimacy or I hide from it, it's not we hunger for it and it's actually not an easy thing to have. Yeah. It requires change in me. It, and there's all and, kinds and a of there's amount
0: out. of energy and effort.
1: Energy, effort, yes
0: yeah i i agree i i mean uh, we've probably all had those moments where the spirit has been with us and you feel an increase i like how you said a, a, an ability to love with purity and i'd say just an increased capacity right yes. a greater capacity for love with the pure kind of love that comes from the spirit and yet when that's all done we're exhausted right when you when you've had <laughs> that kind of experience you're tired after uh, and and then to keep trying to be the kind of person that can have the spirit with you to have that more and more uh, at that. It is an exhausting process. And as you say that, I mean, refining is not an easy thing just in the word, right. Or yes. purging God purging us. That, that gives you the hint. This yeah. is just going to have some tough elements to it. Yes. And that kind of brings us to the second thought I was having as you were talking, because we talk so often about um, God loves us no matter what, which is absolutely true. Yeah. and his his unconditional love which is absolutely true but it's easy for us to then get caught up and i know there's some concern uh, among many in the church ab- about this it's easy for us to get caught up in well god loves me no matter what so it doesn't really matter so much what i do yeah um yeah. now in a way it's it's true god is always going to give you another chance but it gets more and more painful and 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 less and less likely you take advantage of the other chance However many times you turn away from him, right? It's still always possible. And I don't want to pretend like it's, it's not. It is always possible. You always have another chance. That's very, very true. But at the same time, there is a different relationship you have when you are actively seeking that relationship than when you're not. Yes. And that comes down to this, this word you mentioned at the beginning, this word of chesed. Which I know President Nelson has has included in some of his like I, I think they were Instagram posts and so a couple things like this that he's he's uh, kind of keyed into that word as well and and Chesed is a word with no good English uh, equivalent but it's um, it, it's off, most often translated as loving kindness um, but it is a word that um, means a a special kind of love and mercy available to those who are keeping are in a covenant with god and are keeping that covenant mm. right so it's it's un it's available to everyone and god loves everyone unconditionally but the that closer kind of love and relationship is only available to those who are not doing the checklist but who are keeping covenant right and there's a difference between doing the checklist and keeping covenant because again keeping covenant is primarily loving God and loving your neighbor, then everything else flows from there. But Mm -hmm. if you're not loving God and loving your neighbor so much that it is flowing from there, if your actions don't fit that, that Mm -hmm. uh, description, Mm -hmm. then there is going to be something missing from your relationship with God. And, Mm -hmm. and let's be clear if we're going to compare this again to a marriage covenant, if you're not well, well, let's just put it this way. I, I don't think you are capable of feeling as close to a person
1: mm-hmm.
0: whom you are not in a covenant relationship with. As mm-hmm. soon as you enter into that relationship and you have that shared commitment and start having those shared experiences and goals and work together, mm-hmm. you naturally are closer and your feelings of love are closer. Like, I really thought I loved my wife when we got married, but as I look back at it now, I don't. I, I, how much I loved her then was teeny compared to what how much I yeah. love her now, and that's the result of our of our commitment to each other and our working together in this shared um, uh, goals and and uh, experiences together and yeah. so on, and I think that's part of what Chesed is about. Naturally, you have a different kind of relationship with God when you are making and keeping covenants with Him.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's so powerful. It's power to think of God is love. God is mm. perfect love, and so it's not that He is able even to diminish His love for His children who are not even choosing to enter into that covenant. But it's like you're saying this beautiful relationship that's established. That's I. I think I was struck in your description of Chesed as a doing kind mm. of love. Mm-hmm. It's. It's a doing in behalf of, but, but like you said, when, as you were talking, I was thinking of the difference between marriage and cohabitation. It's a very interesting thing to research because, because people are living together in both relationships, but there has been a formal covenant established in, in the presence of others, right? Formally in a marriage, it hasn't happened. And there's very significant differences in the experience of a cohabiting relationship than in the experience of a marriage. Hmm. And it all stems from that long-term absolute, I am in this for the long haul. And that shapes everything that's happening every day, interestingly enough. The measuring, the the contractual nature of it, how you're keeping track of things is different when you're looking at a long-term devotion as opposed to, am I going to stay with you? Am I going to stay with you every day, right? And, And so I think that... As, as you describe, there's that powerful relationship of you're devoted to one another and you're building a family mm. and you both brought everything you are to the creation of something in a sense, entirely beyond yourselves.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and it's so beautiful to think that God is, is saying to us, I am here to build something entirely new with you. And it requires mm. an engagement together mm. and, and, this you becoming us developing you developing right is is an engagement together and it means you're talking more together right that marriage like y- you're sharing you're sharing more you're invested in a different way you're caring about things in a different way than when you aren't bound together in that relationship and the beautiful difference is like we're not equals in this covenant kind of relationship with god right he is everything. He is the wind, the water, the light, right? Like he enables everything and so mercifully extends himself into this relationship with me, who's so so less developed. And yet he binds himself the way a marriage partner would bind himself to me, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I find myself often overwhelmed with gratitude when I think of the fact that a being like God And I can't even understand what that is, but I know it's, it's far, far, far more than I am. A being like God is willing to bind himself to me. And I, I mean, I can't think of it in any terms other than, well, if he's binding himself to me, he's basically saying, I'm going to strap you to my back and carry you where you can't go. Yes. Um, And, and the fact that he is willing to do that for me is, is overwhelming. It's, it's kind of um, become part of uh, I, without my planning it, but it's one of the first things I say gratitude for in my daily prayers. I'm just so grateful that he's willing to to bind himself to me and be in this relationship with me. I'm I'm just so so grateful for that.
1: That has said, yeah. Carrie, when you describe that here, the children of Israel brought across the sea, where I, I feel like the Old Testament just keeps screaming at us. I will redeem you. Mm -hmm. I will. Like, it's been so transformed. I hear members of the church talk about that all the time, like how the Old Testament has meant so much to them in doing Come, Follow Me. And it's this remarkable love of God that he will redeem. So I love how you describe they're in the wilderness. They cannot survive. They are totally and fully dependent for water on him, for bread, right? Yes. And he brings them to Sinai, to this mountain where he wants to be with them. And he's teaching them in the dependence that they have. You need me to make this possible for you. But he's not just saying, you need me. He's saying, I will do it.
0: Hmm.
1: I will enable you to become. I will make you just as I'm giving you the bread and the water and And I will enable you to become all you need to become to be fully at one with me. And that to me is different than like my contract idea of covenant. Yeah. Because I've got my list of things that I'm supposed to do. And he's doing these things, but he's actually giving the bread and the water. Like I am that dependent on him. Yeah. And yet it's like a marriage covenant. And we can only think of marriage covenant as equals but it's not quite equal, but it's that deep. And he is that, he is that powerful and he is that loving and merciful. So any more you have to say on that, I think is helpful because it's hard for understand it's hard for us to understand the dependence and the, and the contract idea.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I think to some degree, and I I love what you're saying. I always get so many thoughts as I'm talking to you. That's what is fun about talking, but um, it's, it seems to me like really in the end, and this, again, we'll come back to the primary obligation is to love God. But in, another way of almost uh, framing that is that our obligation in this covenant, because we really don't have that much we can bring to it. Our obligation yes. is God is saying, I just want you to stick with me. Ugh. We've got some places to go and yes. it's going to be a rough ride. But if you'll stick with me, I can uh. get you there. Yeah. So it, it kind of reminds me of of this. This may be a silly analogy, but it's, it's one I kind of like. I can remember um, my dad doing this for me, and I've since done it for my kids and others. I, I, I can water ski. I love to water ski. It's what I like. And, and if you put two skis on me, there's I can stay up on anything, right? I mean, I, I, I can't on one ski if I'm not goofing around. But on two skis, even goofing around, I can stay up on anything, right? So um, I, I can remember my dad. The first time I skied was actually when I was probably like two years old and I'd just go out and my dad would say, put your feet on my skis, hold on to my wrists and here we go. And then he'd just pull me up and I'd just mm-hmm. stand there holding on to my dad's wrists and if my feet could reach the skis every now and then, then that was great. And I've done it with my kids and what I've found, and I've done it with other people. And what I've found is um, when you start out, the water's coming at them and it's a little bit scary for them. The boat is noisy and things are coming and, and so on. And if they're afraid and if they don't want to, to, to go through all of this and they let go, then they're not going to get up. But if they'll stick with you, you'll get them up. And, and same thing when you go over the wake or when some some big waves come. If they let go, if they get afraid, and some people do, they get afraid and they jump off. Well, then they're done. But if they'll stick with you, I can take them where we're going. Uh, I, I 100% guaranteed I can get them up and I can get them where they're going if they'll just yeah. stick with me. And I think that's what God is saying. We're going someplace, just like in the wilderness, we're going someplace where there is no way you can get there on your own. It's impossible. Um, But I can get there. And all I'm asking is for you to stay with me. I'll stay with you if you'll stay with me. And that's the way we stay with him is by loving him and loving Mm -hmm. each other. And as we keep saying, everything else flows from there. So Uh, We're not capable, just like we're not capable of uh, eating, finding food and water in Sinai. We're not capable of becoming, killing the natural man on our own and becoming Mm. something different. We're just not up for it. Mm. But God is. His Mm. son is. Jesus Christ. There's no amount of natural man in you or in me that Christ can't change. Mm. He can do this. Right? It's not a problem uh, if we just stick with him.
1: Which it's making me think two things quickly this morning as a family, we were talking about this serpent being raised and the simpleness Mm. of looking and our children are 12 and nine, Peter's almost 10. And Mike was just asking and my husband was just saying, does that seem kind of silly, right? Or simple to, to look to this brass serpent. I love how you'll say they were probably way far out. Some of them at this camp, and it was going to take getting up in pain and trusting that you could, You could be healed by going through this process, which is such a powerful metaphor for our lives, right? Because it's painful to self-confront and believe that Christ can redeem us. And it was interesting because I had a struggle with our daughter before devotional today, and I was struggling with my own natural man and the conflict I felt inside. And as we're, as we're sitting there, I'm thinking it's so powerful that it is, it's this, there's this moment where I have to decide, do I trust that God has the power to love me as I am, even though I'm tempted toward it, toward shame, um, which is a pride, right? D- to love me as I am and that he will make it possible for the wounds that I carry and, and the sins that I desire mm-hmm. to be removed from my heart and the idols that I have before him. It just brings so much light to that very first camp commandment where he says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Just love me, receive me trust that i can get you up i can do that so i as you were speaking i just have to quickly share this experience of ty mansfield who experiences same-sex attraction Mm -hmm. Uh, a colleague of ours a a part-time faculty member in the in church education or church history and doctrine he describes confronting the fact that he has same-sex attraction he's teaching the mtc he's always loved the gospel he has a testimony and he cannot reconcile. He hasn't been able to fast it away or pray it away. And he can't reconcile what this means for my future and my path. Can't see the way forward. Can't see how to get to Sinai, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, and he's in general conference. He fasted and he ends his fast there in conference. And he just describes very powerfully that the moment the prayer was said, it was like a vision open to him. And you'll say it was a vision of love. And he and it was a vision of love for him, certainly from God, but it was also a vision of what eternal love looks like. And Ty just said it made our most romantic heterosexual love look paltry. Like what, what this divine love looks like, and this divine communion is, was just beyond what he had ever seen. And then As he's like, but what about me, (laughs) right? Having those thoughts, what about me? He hears in his mind, just stay with me. Hmm. Almost the same words you said, just stay with me and this will all be yours. And it's so that for me, when I'm talking to students, that is such a powerful way to describe all of our experiences that seem impossible, most of all our own natural selves that seems like the most impossible thing of all like that i can actually be able to love that purely that i can get out of a framework where my children need to validate me i spend my time in that framework naturally right like do these things because i need you to validate that i'm worth something and i'm a good person and and my my god can grow me out of that into a purity of love for them for others and that he can enable me to be like he is in that kind of communion. And all he says is just stay with me. Don't go to a place of shame. Don't think that other things will fill this for you. Love me, love me, and I will make it all possible. And you see Ty, he'll describe, he's at the top of Brighton. He's a skier, East Salt Lake skier, young single adult, sees a dad with three kids. And all he can think is, I will never have that. I will never be able to be with my kids skiing on this mountain. 15 years later, he's got five kids at the top of that mountain, his own children that he's skiing Mm. with. And that's not to say that marriage is how all of us are going to, right? Receive answers, right? Yeah,
0: that won't happen for everyone.
1: But it's evidence in the myriad of ways that God brings about the fulfillment of his promises, the most important of which is my peace will be with you and i will enable you to love and feel joy right whatever the circumstances of your life because you are with me and i am doing it and you and i'm staying with you you're abiding in me you know
0: right, good in some ways maybe that's the the main message of the covenant and the main message of deuteronomy uh, i mean we can we can say Look at all the ways that the children of Israel messed up between Egypt and when they come into the promised land, which is Deuteronomy is they're going to go into the promised land from there. Right. This is this is uh, where they inherited the promised land right after this. Think of all the ways they messed up. Um, and. Each time they could. I mean, they always complain about let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back and do them. But they actually never do. Right. They They do stick with God. They mess up plenty. Yeah. But they're still with God. Yeah. And maybe that's the great message of the covenant. But as you say, just stay with me or just stick with me. The, the God and Christ are able to bring us through whatever kind of wilderness, right? The, the fiery serpents of our lives, the burning sand with no water of our lives, mm-hmm. the lack of food, the lack of everything, the people dying, um, the the huge enemies that we have to face, I mean, there are all sorts of these things in our lives that often seem overwhelming, and we cannot yeah. see how we'll get through it. it doesn't, it's not fun while we do it. We can't picture when we won't have these feelings of loneliness or pain or misery or hopelessness. We can't picture any of that. We can't picture being in the promised land. But if we just stick with God, he, in fact, can redeem them. As you said, that's the message that screamed at us through yeah. the Old Testament. Yeah. I can redeem you. If Mm -hmm. we're willing, he's able, all we have to do is stay with him. And I just plead with people. I see people who, who turn away for all sorts of reasons. And I just feel like if you just stick with God, Mm -hmm. those reasons will go away. You Mm -hmm. just, just stay with God, just stick Mm -hmm. with him, love him in this covenant Mm -hmm. and see where he takes you.
1: Carrie, it feels like it's so valuable even every day to be thinking, where is it I'm not trusting his power in my life right now? And I think if I were honest with myself, there would be a list of things I, at the beginning of every day, don't have complete trust in him. And, and maybe most poignantly for parents, right, as I'm working with parents who have children who have made choices that seem to be taking them outside of God's covenant protection. It's interesting, this mother said yesterday, she was so struggling praying for this young adult child, right? And yeah. how to help. And that's a whole new level of parenting, right? That yeah. working with young adult children. Yeah. Um, and she's at the veil and she said she heard very strongly in her mind, he is mine. Yes. And I can do my work. Yes. And then the final thing was, love me. Just love me and that her work was to love this child love him and love the lord as you described yeah and trust that i will do it and i in the year like i don't know if there's a more painful place for parents than that place where there yeah. is so much fear and so in our list of things that we 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 doubt god's power to bring about things and we might say well this child isn't choosing god right and so how can he bring about right? They're rejecting him. And, and to that place of, he will not stop. And he has all power. I love how you'll say, I've told my mom this many times now, we are no match for the atonement. No. Like, your child's waywardness is no match for the atonement of Jesus Christ. It is no. that powerful. It's that powerful that the savior could stand with all the horrible of the earth that we could just start a list, the bombings in in Ukraine, the mothers dying in places, people, right? rape and pillage and yeah. all the things that seem like way beyond anything that we can even wrap our minds around. And here's the Savior in that beautiful intercessory prayer, glorify thou me, telling telling the Father, I will do it yeah. and I can do it. And, and this power to redeem all of this is beyond any mortal's comprehension. It is beyond any place that we can go. He has all that power and he won't stop. I think that's what said love is like he won't stop. Yeah. He won't stop working with us. He won't stop working with our children and we can't do it. We're that dependent. Like we can't do it, but love him and love them and he will do it
0: that's so good it's so good maybe we can uh, end on on this that I'll, I'll give a little bit and then give you a chance to respond or say whatever you'd like but um first I'm I'm struck by the experience you said your friend had and I have a, a really really close friend who um was talking to me about a time where his then wife but on the way of becoming ex-wife uh because she was uh, was leaving the church and wanted to leave him because he wouldn't leave the church and and was actively trying to take their children away from the church mm-hmm. and all the struggles he was going through to ha- how to do something about that. And he was praying and saying, uh, Lord, I don't know how to save my children. And his answer was, you don't save them. That's my job. I save them. Mm-hmm. And then basically like you're saying, just love them. Love me. Yeah. Let me do the saving. Yes. And that's so, so important to remember um so that if we uh, if we think about uh, as, as you were talking about just our job is to love god and love each other and so as you were talking about the intercessory prayer i've i've talked about both of these things before, but never put them together in this way. But the last thing the Savior does before going into Gethsemane Mm -hmm. is pray with his apostles, whom he loves, about how much he loves them and about how much he wants them to join him in that relationship with the Father. It's his love for those apostles that takes him into Gethsemane. But when things got so hard and so heavy in Gethsemane, it was his love for his Father that kept him there. And I've never thought of it that way, but it's Mm -hmm. that second commandment, the love for us that brought him there. And it's the love for God that kept him there. And that's probably a good model for all of us. If we'll just love each other and love God so much that we go where we need to, to help each other. And we stay where we need to stay because we love God. Then he'll take us where we need to be.
1: Yes. Oh, that's so, well, thank you, Carrie. So beautiful. I, I told you, um, when I first started talking about covenants or thinking about covenants this way, it was because I was studying attachment and Mm -hmm. we now know better than ever attachment, mother, infant attachment, father, infant attachment. And it's incredible to have researchers just all the neurological data that we can now gather. We can watch brain development that they will say, Healthy development happens from within relationship. It has to happen from within relationships. So that infant's born, they have one task they have to do, and it's establish a relationship with a caregiver. And they are they are primed for the heartbeat, the, the mother whose heartbeat they have felt for nine months, whose smell they know, whose face they know they are primed to establish a relationship with her. And in that incredible, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it in this world, that relationship and its power, because she literally from the right brain, where her love center is, to the love center of that baby, the emotion center, the, the sense of well being center. One million synapses a second are being formed in that connection, in that cooing and cuddling and touching. And it's a synchrony, it's an at one mm-hmm. it's a It's a synchrony with the infant's feelings, it's a harmony with when they're sad, it's, it's responding. Um, in in care to those emotions and feelings. And I, when I heard that healthy development <laughs> depends on relationship, of course, I was like, that is what Christ does with me. Yeah. He makes that kind of relationship with me. And my healthy development happens from within the security of that most profound bond that is filled with absolute love and devotion. And then just Sunday, I learned, I'm reading a little bit of research I learned that a baby's fetal cells in that process of that nine month period are just flowing throughout that mother's body and her cells flowing throughout that baby's. They have this connection through the bloodstream. Mm. And so when that infant is born, those fetal cells are still in the mother. They're in her heart and her skin Mm. and her bone tissue. If, she's, if her heart has been in distress, which can sometimes happen in pregnancy, the fetal cells migrate as fast as they can to that heart and they form the kind of cells that are needed to help that mother stay alive. And so this beautiful kind of relationship and to think, it was just so beautiful to think, he literally carries my cells in him.
0: Yeah,
1: They're all over in him. That's how tight, that's how, that's how it won. A mother knows she cannot shut off the love that she has for that baby. She can't like, because they literally are in you for 25 years after. And, and to think that when he describes his love as that of a mother of that kind of devotion as that of a spouse, like we just have so much to understand about the depth of that love and just understanding it and receiving it is transformative in our lives. It's probably the most transformative thing we can experience the profundity of that love and connection with us. And I think as you told me, I'm like, this is a prototype for God's love. And you said, no, God's love. God's love is the prototype, right? It is the foundation. And this love that we see in mortality that is so profound is miles less (laughs) than, than the love that he has for us, the connection he has with us. And he has made himself at one with us to know us, to redeem us, to enable our development. That mother's experience paralleling that love. It's amazing. Uh,
0: that is incredible. i had forgotten that you told me that. And now you just added to it. i That has made God's covenant with me as, as explained in the scriptures, so very real. That, it really has. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. So profound and incredible. I, I think uh, my, my audience will... Now know why I love talking with Janet. Uh, the, the discussions are always profound and I always learn. Thank you, Janet.
1: Thank you and, so much, Carrie.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm just so grateful uh, for the covenant and for the scriptures uh, and God's love for us. Uh, I'm so grateful and thank you for helping me feel that more.
1: Thank you so much. So grateful for all your work. Thanks for coming to that powerful conclusion. It is relationship. He wants to be with us.
0: Well, I, I, I didn't come to it on my own. I was, I was led there, but, uh, anyway, so thank you. And I, we hope that, uh, if this has been helpful and I can't imagine it's not, I would guess as anyone was listening to this, they thought of people that would be helped by this message. I know I did. And I thought, Oh, this person needs to, Oh, uh, whether it was, I thought of people who have experienced feelings of loneliness and people who are their children are struggling, please. Um, Just send out uh, an invitation to them to listen to this message that Janet has helped us hear uh, and help us all feel the healing that comes from Christ as as the scriptures become real in this way. Thank you, everyone, and thank you, Janet.
1: Thank you, Carrie.